0: Well, welcome. This is uh, week five, or the last one really, of our God Mm -hmm. Is series. We were going to go on a little bit further, but we felt actually it's probably come to a natural conclusion really, and this was always our conclusion.
1: Yeah, God is love.
0: That God is love, and um, I guess it under all of our other conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, It's ultimately what you come to you know when you boil everything down um and that's kind of i think why we wanted to finish um with that in our series um and we tackled a you know a kind of hot topic really we've not really uh, uh, kind of tackled any of the kind of big cultural issues the hot um, potatoes the hot potatoes i don't think you call them that anymore do you not
1: call them that <laughs> anymore at bible <laughs> college it was definitely hot potatoes yeah i
0: think we've moved on from the 80s a little bit
1: although i heard i heard um it referred to as a a prickly nettle i think i, I think that was right
0: is that right prickly mm-hmm. nettle um so we yeah, briefly touched on um kind of how we as a church relate to um homosexuals mm-hmm. uh, and how we really wrestle and understand that mm. um and it's not a comfortable topic, um, for churches or for Christians. I don't think. I think it's something that uh, we've tended to find hard to have a conversation about. Um, I mean, you. So you raised it in your bit, um, I didn't talk about it in my bit. Um, <laughs> you talked about it. Um, when you were thinking and reflecting on the topic, what was kind of what drove you to relate to that particular issue?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't necessarily intend at all to talk about it. We're talking about God is love. So there's a lot of, you know, nice, warm, fluffy things to say on that topic. Um, there's just a lot to say on that topic. Um, but as I was approaching it, I think it's the the sharp contrast between what, what we think of God and what we think of the church. Mm. We think the church is love. We think the church is love, like God is love but that's not necessarily what everybody outside the church thinks of us. And that world is getting bigger and wider That outside the church world. Mm. Um, and outside the church, the, the Christianity is seen as judgmental mm. and um, uncaring and unloving. Often, often this is the reason somebody says they don't want to become a Christian. Um, is because they, they see themselves as loving and don't want to be judgmental. So, for me that was one of the areas where we are seen to be making a stance that is the most judgmental and we're not um necessarily seen to be loving to homosexual people and you know I wanted to to deal with that it's something that um it's something that makes my heart really heavy in that we will have many um meetings on evangelism and outreach and what you know, working in our community, oh, but if some of those people come into our church, actually, we won't really welcome them. Mm. We'll be awkward and we'll say the right things initially. and um, and if they want to move on and do anything in our church, we'll very possibly not be very positive to them at all. And suddenly we'll get that there's a a different um class or tier of citizen, some are allowed to serve in the church, uh, some are not. and. You know, I've experienced that on I'm a woman, so I'm not allowed to serve in the church. And again, not speaking about our church um, here in Shelford, which I have found to be very inclusive. But in other churches, I've experienced that. And so and I know I know for certain that churches that I um, have had experience of, there's absolutely no way somebody who is gay would be allowed to serve in the church. Mm -hmm. They would possibly be welcomed in if they weren't with a partner. But if they were with a partner, they wouldn't be welcomed in. So all of this just makes me feel like there's a a real barrier to loving. There's a boundary. We will love you, but as long as you don't in any way encroach on anything that we call sin. Hmm.
0: And I guess, you know, as as churches, we've tried. Well, I don't know if we've done. You know, tried to wrestle with it. I think it's something that we've noted goes. You know, that's kind of happening in the culture around us. Mm. Um, and I guess the most notable change really is that it's accepted in the culture around us Mm -hmm. um whereas you know kind of 30 20 30 years ago it wasn't accepted in the culture around us and it wasn't accepted in the church Mm -hmm. um and we were in line with the culture we didn't the church and the world didn't think any different it was the same thing however now the world has changed in its understanding or you know broadly Mm -hmm. you know i don't know what we mean we in the world, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, kind of um, the cultural...
1: Secular culture, I think, if you yeah, say non-religious culture.
0: Yeah, has changed dramatically, you know, even in our lifetime, you know, since yeah. I was at school, you know, it's a huge shift uh, in its inclusive nature. Um, and the church is now at odds with mm. the secular, with the world. Um, and I guess our challenge as Christians is how much of that is do we just bend to the whim uh, mm. of others? How much of it actually does it mean that then we need to have a look at ourselves and say, why is it that we have an issue? Um, why is it that, you know, we're holding to the issue when others have moved on? Uh, and that's where churches find it really hard, yeah. you know, because I think when we agree with the mainstream, it's all nice and and cozy. Um, when we're at odds with it, we're either accused of, well, we're compromising if we just agree with everyone else. So mm-hmm. you're just your faith is just, you know, it's meaningless. You just, you know, you just go along with what everyone in the secular world says. Um, or you stand your ground uh, yeah. and uh, you fall on one side of a biblical understanding yeah. and say, no, this is us and this is our hard line yeah. in the sand. Um, and that's a challenge for us to understand, you know, and to wrestle with.
1: But I think that's, I think it's because... Churches are moral places, and mm. they're places primarily concerned with being moral beings. Um, they, You know, as Christians, we take a lot of our beliefs from the Bible, but a lot of our beliefs we might back up from the Bible, but actually we take from traditional society. And when they are challenged, we might suddenly face a, a concern of, well, that's doubting our faith, whereas actually perhaps it's just doubting our traditions mm. and whereas in the secular society they don't have to worry when they change a value that they're losing their faith we do so i think we hold on to things longer because of this concern of oh, are we you know are we going away from god because of this whereas actually possibly society has just changed and mm. um and it was a belief in society not even a belief perhaps necessarily in the church um, so I think it's a bit of a a, a battle between Christians as moralists mm. and Christians um, who love. And I think we have a history of falling back on being moralists. Mm. And it's amazing just on the homosexuality issue that if a person, a Christian, finds out they've got a homosexual child, they very quickly find a way to justify and accept that child in the Christian faith. But if you don't have Mm. a homosexual child or loved one, you might continue just to fall back on your traditional Mm -hmm. values and beliefs because it's what you're used to. Um, It's only when you love somebody that maybe those values are called into question and you're able to look at them in a very different light. And I believe as Christians that this is... The very, um, you know, the very pinnacle of why, why I want to talk about this, on the, you know, God is love Sunday, because for me it comes down to love. If we look at any um, biblical tenet or moral issue. In the eyes of love, we can often see it very differently. And I think that's how God saw it. I think when he gave us the laws and the, um, the Ten Commandments and you know when he spoke to us throughout the Bible, I think he was doing it out of love. But what we might have done is we've made those things very static when not, they're not allowed to change.
0: Mm.
1: And so, so Jesus came and he looked at things in a different way. Now, you could say, oh, maybe he was just moving with the wind. And he was going with what people wanted, not what, with what God originally said, but he changed things, you know, mm. he kind of, um, you know, when he, when he talked about the Sabbath principle and about it, not, um, you know, man not being made for the Sabbath. And I think that that's, to me, I don't feel like in any way I want to go against scripture. I just want to, I want to be in line with the one that was before scripture. Mm. And for me, it sounds always throughout scripture like God is love. So what do I know of love? I know of the love I have for my children. I know of the love I have for you. I know for, you know, mm. for my friends and for all those that are dear to me. And so if I can always want the best for them and to see them in grace and compassion, it just tells me that's what God does too.
0: And I think the family thing is interesting. And I think um, what resonated with me Um, thinking through this issue is how families deal with change uh, and with shifting and and how we contrast that with our understanding of church. I think we, um, yeah, if you're in leadership or involved in, in church life, it's hard to get away from it feeling like an organization mm-hmm. and a business. Mm-hmm. Um and it kind of is because we have a constitution that says who's in, who's out. Uh we have uh, rules and uh and trustees and we're part of a charity, you know, and mm-hmm. it feels very business like. Um, I think what I I think I, what I want to be shouting up for is that actually I don't think that's what the early church was about. And the earlier church was about family about including others and gathering together but we've created this institution that's about business um and you know just like you know i we know a number of uh, of christians whose children you know are mm-hmm. um are homosexual and they adapt to that yeah. uh, and and work out how to accept that and how to love that person because it's family it's what yeah. you do um but you know organizations you know with rules um find it very hard to do that and i think ultimately i you know kind of what i've tried to do here at Shelford is to think more about family um mm-hmm. so the idea so we you know there's there's some pressure you know on uh, that i've resisted over the years to have a mission statement and a vision statement mm-hmm. and uh, there's a number of people that that's really important um and it has some significance but families don't need mission statements um or vision statements mm-hmm. they demonstrate that through how they love each other uh, yeah. and how they work together and I kind of so much of me wants to hold on to that yeah. uh, and I'd rather do that and compromise the well we don't you know why haven't you got a vision statement where's that yeah, yeah I'd I'd rather sit in that tension, but tension, but sit on the other side, on the actually, let's be more like a family than like a, a, an organisation. Um, but it's hard to get 100 and so people to think, you yeah. know, in that. That's why you have constitution's rules, isn't it? Because we all sign yeah. up to that. Um, it feels like the larger you get as a, as a church, the harder it is to be like family. Um, but that feels quite significant
1: there there is because when it's your family when it's your loved one you will approach anything to see to see that person loved mm. you know to continue that loving relationship and i don't think that means that i would condone everything my children do far mm. from it but i might examine why i am not happy with that and work out how we could kind of see each other as um on common ground um and we might come to agreement we might not we would still I hope always love each other mm. in our family and that's what I hope we could do in church mm. and there are this is, it is a it's a complicated situation because there are um there are biblical scriptures although before I even speak on this I think it's there's um translation issues that if we don't fully understand, we are, you know, we're on shaky ground anyway. Mm. But there are scriptures written in our, you know, in our translation of the Bible that would suggest that homosexuality is wrong and that God disapproves of it. Um. Again, I I think we might need to go into this in some detail at some point so that we give people the opportunity to ask questions and look at um. Perhaps some biblical understandings, mm. um, but just for now, I think it's looking at what the Bible says, taking it seriously, and then looking at the person. Mm. And there are things in Bi- in the Bible that speak against homosexuality, but there are a lot of things in the Bible that speak much clearly against other things that we do, um, that we you know we kind of we ignore, we just mm. outright ignore. Um, you know, for all of those men with short hair. You know, I think early on in the Bible, there's a thing about, um, you know, oh, sorry, all the thing with men with long hair. There was. Mm. Um,
0: so there is, so there is a real challenge with scripture and and understanding scripture. And anyone who's done any sort of biblical study, hermeneutics mm-hmm. to wrestle with the cultural understanding around words uh, is really difficult. So it's not. So I think the challenge we have is honouring scripture, and mm-hmm. we honour it by. Not just using it to proof text our position uh, and wrestling with its understanding, and I think, and I, I think it's okay for the church to change its mind and mm. even do U-turn U-turns on stuff. You you read this? They always say about the government, oh, they've done a U-turn. And yeah. uh, I think about us as a family, we do U-turns all the time. Oh yeah. yeah, I did a whole thing about um the kids wanted to watch something on YouTube, and it's like no, I this is. I just didn't like it. I didn't want it. And then next minute, we've kind of changed our mind. And
1: I changed my mind. Like I said they just... could watch it. <laughs> Subsequently, I'm now thinking I might change it back because okay. I'm not sure it's great. So, <laughs> you know, we're doing a full 360 turn on that one. As as we evolve and, and, the, and on that... Because that's you, family, isn't yeah. it? Yes. And, and we're deciding what we let our children watch because we love them. Mm. So we're making that decision out of what is best for them. And as fallible human beings, that gets a bit messy sometimes but we still i i think it's you know you said that um you know it's so important that we um we um you know kind of uphold scripture mm. and i think it is i think we should tre- you know treasure it and treat it with joy and look for wisdom in it um you know to see it as the word of god but unlike in say the muslim faith where um you believe that the word came straight to muhammad yeah. from god you know into the you know into the quran we don't believe that we believe it was written over a very long time by many many different people and so while we uphold it for me i think i think first of all we look at it through what do we know of god is love Mm. that is what jesus revealed to us he revealed and he didn't write it in the bible he spoke it he said it to those present and that was passed on through his disciples, the main principle as Christians that we're supposed to stand by is that God is love, that he loves us, that he loves us like a parent longing for their child, not judgmentally as we we explored in the Mm. um, parable of the lost son, not judgmentally, just loving. And so I think before we even begin to approach what the Bible says, I think we think, of God as love and what is he saying to us in our hearts, you know, praying that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us truth and perhaps even, you know, open our eyes to the things that we are already blinded by and to see what our, um, our preconceived ideas and our inner conflicts, the things that have maybe you know that we've had a problem with and that we've repressed those things and so we've come up with a an, a new idea as a way of dealing with that mm. so i think we have to see everything through christ we have to see everything through the love of god and when we come to explore a b- biblical principle um you know it had you know including what to do with mildew we don't treat mildew in the same way that the israelites were told to treat mildew I don't think that I'm being disrespectful to the word of God or I'm m- breaking away from it. I just think, yeah, we've moved on in our mm. treatment of mildew and now there's Dettol. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's there's just different ways of dealing with things. But the love of God for his children, that to me never changes. Mm. That's what we've got to, you know, we have to be thinking of. And
0: the challenge of scripture is it was written 2,000 years ago. It wasn't written Well, no,
1: the last bits of, the it, last bit were of it were written 2,000 years and ago. And even
0: the one, you know, the the bounded book that we have today is mm-hmm. someone's understanding of the validity of those texts over the, how other texts aren't valid, you yeah. know? So there's, you know, um, books that aren't included uh, that actually, you know, we might look at and say, actually, there's some truth in there and there's mm-hmm. some relevance in there. Um, but I, I think, and I, th- I think some of the challenge to us as Christians is is to be willing to wrestle with it. Yeah. Uh, I think if you've grown up in evangelical things, you've been, elements have been spoon-fed what scripture says. Yeah. Uh, and as a preacher and a teacher, um, I know that I do that. And I think the reality is, unless individually we're able to really wrestle with it mm. and sit in the tension, because as a preacher, I sit in the tension. I've uh, There's a passage in front of me and I'm trying to you know discern and to work out but there's multiple sides to this, yeah. you know, kind of um, bit of scripture that if I just put my weight on one side over another, actually the danger, there's a huge danger of me missing, mm. m- misrepresenting it, you know. And but I know
1: that just even within, um, ha- there's been a, a lot of um, talk recently about how much, you um, listening to certain types of news censors your views. So the kind of the Republican party are watching Fox news. The Democrats are watching CNN. They're all staying in their little bubble of Mm. talking only with their friends, watching their um, views fed back to them. And what, how, you know, that's not going to be any different in the church. We're a group of people Mm. who think that God has given us his information, we are kind of the chosen ones mm. and then we only surround each, ourselves with people like ourselves and typically we've chosen a preacher who is who's supportive of our views so we spend our entire time in a, in a little clique mm. that is like us um and see and i i do i do find it interesting, we always refer to the world in, in quite negative um out there ways and the world is you know is out there and it's going to get us and i think that's how human beings are i think we put ourselves in little close groups Mm. and that makes us feel safe and so what's happening at the minute is we're in this little family and outside are other people who have different views but they're not represented in our church Mm. because they're not they're not going to feel welcome in our church so i felt a bit kind of out of my depth talking about homosexuality as I'm heterosexual. I don't have anybody particularly close to me that's homosexual. So it's like, well, how can I speak on this and advocate for this? But there's nobody close to me. There is nobody in the vicinity of my mm. Christian world, and that's that means when they're not, you know, there there is no kind of fair representation. And I think I wonder if we're losing out big time mm. on that because we're not hearing from other people we're mm. only hearing from ourselves and that that means you know we're we're keeping people out of church and that's that's not great but also we're keeping people out of church and that's not great for us mm. because we don't have this healthy family it's like having a family when kind of you know all of the people of a certain age have just been kicked out and they're not in that family anymore it feels misrepresented
0: and yeah we you we've talked a lot about family but family's messy isn't it yeah. there is yeah, you know, all sorts of issues you know and I don't think I've ever met anyone who's doesn't have issues in family life and uh, I think as a church family we'll we need to understand and respect that we'll all think very differently and all come to this in from different perspectives mm-hmm. and different angles and yeah, you know, how do we agree to walk together because that's ultimately what the church is called to do how do we walk together with each other and god um and walking together it's hard isn't it i don't think i don't think i want the church to agree an addition to our constitution Mm -hmm. or addition to it we don't have a rule book i think there was a rule book but i I think i've lost it somewhere along the way i don't want that Mm. i want us to Understand as a church family, how do we walk together? And if you walk together with someone, you don't you don't set out at the beginning what the rules are and what yeah. what's in and what's out. You know, you might set up well, we're going to go in this direction, or you've come up with a bit of a route, but you don't set every principle like what speed you're going at and yeah. what happens when you come to a stranger, what happens when you do this. Um, but as a church family, how do we find a way of of just Going through the messiness of mm-hmm. being family, um, but the ultimate principle is that we respect and love each other um, yeah. above all else. Um, and I think that's the really difficult thing. It'll be a lot easier if, as a church, we just didn't include those who didn't agree with us. Mm-hmm. If we just said, "If you don't quite think how we think about things," mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and I've there's you know there's people in that you know and if you weren't you know if you didn't think that actually it'll be my life will be a lot simpler mm-hmm. um, but we have to find ways of including uh, yeah. and uh, and journeying together and that's the difference between you know I'm not interested in a business or running an organ I want to run a church family uh, and I want us to um, find that common way of of loving each other.
1: But sometimes in families there are family rifts and damage is you know, is created, somebody has been hurt, somebody leaves,
0: Mm.
1: you end up getting a situation where nobody knows why that, and I just know of of an old conflict in my family and gets the point nobody even really remembers why it started. But the family are divided on, you know, uncle such and such won't speak to auntie, whatever. And and I think we are in that situation now. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a case of Let's have time to get over this theologically, to examine all the evidence. I think we've actually already put a rift in the family and we've divided our brothers and sisters. And, you know, for, if this was my actual biological children, there would be no question for me. It's arms open. Mm. I love you and I just want to to you to know that God loves you. And that's that's for me. But if it's not my biological children or my cousins or whatever. It's somebody's biological mm. children. It's God's actual spiritual children. So while we're waiting to figure out what we think on this issue, people are not in our church mm. who I believe God is calling to his church. So sometimes there's also something that he said that in a family, somebody's gotta be the one who goes and you know offers the olive branch. Mm. And I'm concerned that we might need to stop being so passive and start being active in our love of those around us mm. and it you know and figure out the issues later and i know that this is this is a really extreme example but there was been a, a kind of a, i think particularly maybe in the states but there was a a, a time of um how do you say i don't really want to say movement but a group of people who were physically um, having surgery to transform themselves into animals. So, like, there was a guy who had his face changed to look into as a tiger. There was quite a a number of people who had these cat fixations and had whiskers kind of, um, you know, it was kind of plastic surgery whiskers and things. And You know, I read this article and I was, oh, my word. But deep down, right, extreme as it is, if it was my child... Yes, you'd wonder psychologically, what have you done for that to happen? But you would love that, you know, Mm. that would still continue. I don't have to think, (laughs) yay, let's all become cats. But it wouldn't matter, it's my child. Mm. And I think there is a sense in which as well, just just keep remembering the family.
0: And that's, yeah, ultimately, because what scripture does, it points us to the really kind of... truth that we are all loved precious children of god and yeah. how do we show that love you yeah. know to others and i think that's that's really tough because it's very easy to love people who are like you mm-hmm. actually the church only exists to love those people who aren't like us uh you know, individually or we don't you know traditionally get along with actually we're called to be inclusive of anyone who wants. but also to, i
1: think that that includes ourselves yeah like I might not get on with a certain person, but chances are there's a person who doesn't really get on with me and I'm not their cup of tea. So I'm already included in that mm. church. And I think in a way it's, it's seeing the fact that we're all prodigal sons. Yeah. We're all there because God continues to need us and love us. Mm. So rather than see us in any way as better than somebody mm. else, we're seeing ourselves as the same, but we don't understand each other. My, my brother and I have a real disagreement on him not wearing a shirt, a T-shirt. <laughs> and I just think, you just don't wander around the house topless. It's just not a thing that it you should do. He does live in Thailand, so... Yeah, this but topic. this is when we lived in the Northeast, yeah. so I'm going back quite a while. <laughs> it's just, for me, it's just not seemly. Now, for Alex, it's that's what he does. And it's now become this long-standing <laughs> joke of, oh no, I'll go and put a shirt on, Claire's here and it's just a joke it's a silly thing but um we have things in our families that Mm. we take different views on and we might get a little bit edgy or you know disagree yeah no put a shirt on for goodness sake it's not even warm but it's really not Mm. it's not worth getting in the way of
0: Mm. and i think we find ourselves i mean the baptist union um so if you're uh, you know you're sort of listening to this and you don't know it's a great shelf of free churches part of the Baptist Union the Baptist Union are trying to address this mm. and uh, to work this through in a challenging you know kind of uh, way to challenge churches and to to work that through so we're you know kind of you know it's upon us to wrestle with it as a church as well yeah um, uh, and we're certainly not alone um, in doing that well thank you for listening we're coming up to our kind of half an hour um slot we're going to keep the podcast going um mm-hmm. so um we're changing our series uh from next week um so we'll just uh change the topic a little bit but i think it's a number of people have found this really helpful so i hope you feel blessed uh thank you for listening to us um, this day and god bless
1: bye